0: In 2021, there's still a stigma associated with tattoos. Would you believe that the word stigma itself comes from the Latin word stigmat, which means a mark or puncture, especially one made by a pointed instrument? What? In the UK, US and many other countries, it's still legal for companies to have a no tattoo policy. And it's still relatively common for employers requiring tattoos to remain covered while at work talk about work because being a tattoo person myself, I've often been told by more conservative family members that the need of a job at any given point is why I shouldn't get a tattoo somewhere that isn't easy to cover. It's interesting to try and understand why there's any stigma, because as we'll be finding out today, tattooing has been around for at least 5,000 years. I'm Natalie, this is Across the Ages. You'll never guess who holds the record for the oldest physical evidence of tattoos. Pause for dramatic effect. It's only our favourite man of the ice, Utzi. That's Utzi the Iceman to you and me. If you're a regular listener, thank you, I love you, then this will come as no surprise, because he also holds the record for the oldest shoe, the oldest hat, and the oldest bow and arrow. Ever the show-off. For those of you not familiar with this chap, he was discovered in the Utzel Alps in 1991. His body has been naturally mummified and preserved, giving him the title of Europe's oldest mummy, Or Daddy? Anyway, he was kicking about between 3400 and 3100 BCE. This is around the time when Stonehenge is built, that the Sydney rock engravings are created and camels are domesticated in Egypt. The entire world population sits somewhere between 7 and 14 million. That sounds like a lot, but the population of Paris sits just under 11 million, which gives you an idea of how sparse the population was. So much space for activities! Utsi has a whopping 61 tattoos. I know what you're going to ask. Does Utsi have a tramp stamp? I mean, kind of? The vast majority of his tattoos are groups of lines. A group of scientists, Samadeli et al, decided to map out all of his tattoos to gain more understanding of prehistoric tattooing. Utsi has dark skin, so historically it's been quite difficult to determine how many tattoos he actually has. Early studies found between 49 to 59, that this study was like, hello, there's clearly 61. Here's the extra interesting bit. They're not sure that the tattoos were for decoration. It is believed that the tattoos served a therapeutic purpose for the Iceman because the tattoo groupings tend to cluster around the lower back and joints, places where the Iceman was suffering from joint and spinal problems. So, going back to my previous question of the tramp stamp, yes, he has one, and surprisingly, it's not a butterfly like the one I got when I was 14. Don't worry, it's covered now with some lemons and bees and stuff. The tattoos may have marked the location for acupuncture treatments, or perhaps the tattoos were the treatment. Plot twist, though. In a study, researchers spotted a tattoo cluster on his chest where there were no signs of an ailment. This newly discovered cluster could challenge theories about the purpose of the Iceman's tats. You never know, though. He might have had a medical issues in the area that were not preserved in his remains. Fascinating stuff. Utzi's tattoos were made by piercing the skin with something sharp and rubbing charcoal dust in. I've also just found out that Brad Pitt has a tattoo of Utzi on his forearm. So, Brad, if you're listening, big fan. <music> Utzi holds the record for the oldest evidence of tattoos, but they were just little clusters of lines, so not the most exciting artwork. The oldest figurative tattoos feature an ox and a sheep. Not exactly the coolest animals in the world either, but okay. The Jebeline mummies who sport these tattoos were found in Egypt at the start of the 20th century. To be fair, the mummies date from around the same time as Utzi, just a weeny bit earlier around 3017 BCE. Both a male and a female mummy were found. According to research published in the Journal of Archaeological Science, the male mummy, estimated to have died at the age of between 18 and 21 from a stab wound in the back has what they think is a Barbary sheep and a wild ox tattooed on his arm, symbolising strength and virility. I assume that the ox is a symbol of strength, but do sheep usually symbolise virility? The saying is at it like rabbits, but maybe we should bring back at it like sheep. The female has a series of S-shaped motifs on her shoulder and an L-shape on her arm, making her the oldest known tattooed female in the world. Get it, girl! The British Museum researchers, which is where the mummies currently live, suggest that her S-shaped tattoos mirror motifs found on the pottery of the period, and the L-shape probably represents a baton or crooked stave seen in depictions of ritual dance in ancient Egyptian art. Both sets of tattoos were etched into skin using a copper needle or something similar and then smashing in some soot. What do turkeys have to do with tattoos? No, there wasn't an ancient race of big tattooed biker turkeys terrorising rival gangs of chickens. We're talking about their bones. The oldest evidence of tattoo tools goes back over 3,500 years to at least 1600 BCE. And as we're talking about turkey bones, it's probably not hard for you to guess that these were found in North America. An ancient Native American archaeological site in Tennessee was excavated by Aaron dieter Wolfe and his colleagues in 1985. The bones were found in a man's burial pit. So how do we know they were used for tattooing and not some sharp implement for stabbing? With modern technology, the researchers were able to find microscopic wear and pigment residues on the tool's tips. Pigment-stained seashells were also found in the grave. Well... That must be what they were dipping the tools into, right? So awesome! Pigment-stained cactus spines have also been found in North America at the site in Utah. The stabby cactusy tool consists of a wooden handle bound at the end with split leaves of the yucca plant that holds in place two cactus spines, each stained black at its tip. Native American cultures have a long history with tattooing, the artwork being used to mark achievements, social status, coming of age, and to pay homage to spiritual beliefs. Common tattoo designs included celestial themes such as stars, the sun and the moon. Geometric patterns were also common. A totem is a spirit being, usually an animal, sacred object or the symbol of a tribe, clan or family. These totems were so important to the culture that many animals were also featured in the body art of individuals. Each animal carries a history and meaning which can be communicated through these tattoos. Some of the most powerful and important spirit animals were the wolf, bear, snake and tortoise. Tattoos could identify what tribe each person was in, how many people they'd killed in battle, and even what individual family they belonged to. Only those that had earned the privilege of being tattooed were allowed to have them, and if a tribesman was found to have a tattoo that he hadn't earned, well, fuck. The tribe's council of elders would declare that the tattoo had to be removed, usually by cutting the marked flesh right from the transgressor's body. Harsh, and probably not a route you want to go down. Also, you better not make a noise showing any pain or discomfort while you are being tattooed, otherwise everyone would think that you were a little bitch. Many colonists and explorers that unfortunately made their way to North America described Native Americans as being covered extensively with tattoos and that it was more difficult to find someone who wasn't tattooed. French explorers noted that one warrior chief of the Iroquois tribe was noted to have over 60 tattooed characters covering his chest and arms. Each one symbolised an enemy that he had killed in the heat of battle. Both men and women had tattoos. Men had tattoos that covered their chest, thighs and legs below the knees. A particular place of importance was the back in between the shoulder blades. This was where most of the warriors chose to have their identifying tattoos placed, as well as some of the tattoos that they earned during their time in battle. This was considered to be especially scary, and was often used as a means of intimidation to warn the members of the opposing Atro- tribes not to fuck with them. Women had their tattoos placed over their breasts, on their shoulders and on the forearms, from the elbow all the way down to their knuckles. They also had tattoos on their legs from below the knees to their ankles. This placement was used to make them extra beautiful, as well as tell their life story amongst their people. Another mummy who is not quite as famous as Utsi the Iceman was a contender for the oldest tattooed mummy ever found. In 1983, some workers were putting in a waterline near the city of Arica in Chile when they came across almost 100 mummies from the ancient Chinchorro culture. A tattooed mummy, aptly named Chinchorro Man, was found among them sporting a rather dashing dotted tattoo instead of a moustache. He misses out on the record by about 500 years, which is a shame for him. He's probably pretty pissy about it. I know I would be. The Chincharo people settled in coastal bays of the At- At- Atacama Desert around 7000 BCE and developed a technique for mummification around 5000 BCE. That's roughly 2000 years before the ancient Egyptians. Yet, while the Egyptians were a complex civilization mummifying only elite pharaohs, the Chincharo were pre-ceramic hunter-gatherers with a more egalitarian approach to honoring the dead and just mummified loads of people regardless of status. The Chincharo site has been classified as an UNESCO site this year. That's 2021 for future listeners. A little bit further north in North America, we start to move to indigenous Inuit cultures. I read about one sentence that talked about skin stitching and I was like, what is this? An ivory mask found on Devon Island, an island in Canada, dating from 3,500 years ago, is decorated with lines from the eyebrows up, from the middle of the forehead down to the nose, and also from under the nose down to the chin. There are also three arrows pointing to the corners of the mouth. These are believed to be evidence of tattoos. I went down a little rabbit hole and have been watching videos on this method of tattooing that is currently undergoing a revival in the Inuit communities. A group of six Greenland Inuit women dating from 1475 also revealed evidence for facial tattooing. Infrared examination revealed that five of the women had been tattooed in a line extending over the eyebrows, along the cheeks, and in some cases with a series of lines on the chin. Another tattooed female mummy, dated a thousand years earlier, was also found on St Lawrence Island in the Bering Sea. Her tattoos of dots, lines and hearts confined to the arms and hands. Skin stitching is how it sounds. The skin is literally stitched with soot-covered thread, which then leaves tattooed lines under the skin. Traditionally, needles were slivers of bone and the thread consisted of sinew from whale or caribou. Modern artists have moved to stainless steel and cotton. Lars Krutak, an anthropologist who studied indigenous tattooing globally for almost 20 years, says that the same kind of tattoos appear right up to the 1880s. So for thousands of years, the style remained the same. In the late 19th century, however, you start to get Christian missionaries landing in the area and being like, yo, that's massively not-Christian, guys, not cool. Traditional Inuit facial tattoos were banned because of outsiders' fear that tattoos were linked to shamanism and unchristian principles, perhaps even evil. As the regions became increasingly influenced by Christianity, tattooed markings became increasingly taboo. Ugh. Traditionally, Inuit tattoos were done almost exclusively by women and for women, serving as an important rite of passage to womanhood, as well as marking other important moments in a woman's life. There's a really cool interview with Holly Mitakuk Nordlem, sorry if I've butchered that, who is a traditional Inuit hand and skin-stitching tattoo artist. She explains that the first lines tattooed on the chin marked a girl who had become of age and was now an adult. Tattoos symbolise moments in a woman's life, reflecting things like marriage and children. More tattoos meant a woman was older and had accomplished more in her life. Traditional tattooing is now returning as an integral part of indigenous identity and culture in the Arctic. The desert of China's southern Tarim Basin has given us another tattooed babe. This woman was wandering about somewhere between 1000 and 600 BCE. Archaeologists believe that she was a possible sacrifice who was then buried in a village cemetery. The site where she was found boasts wonderful artefacts like hundreds of giant phallus and vulva posts made of poplar, among other things that you probably wouldn't find in a sex shop. The phalluses would only fit into the vagina of the most daring women because they're an eye-watering 13-foot tall. Good luck with that. The woman had brown hair with white streaks that had been braided and tied with red wool string, and her eyebrows had been painted just before her death. Victor Mare, who has studied the mummies for more than 30 years, believes that the woman's charcoal and soot tattoos were likely ornamental or symbolic. They include moons on her eyelids, ovals on her forehead and a decorative scroll pattern on her left hand and wrist. They kind of look similar to henna tattoos, but a little bit less swirly. Eyelid tattoos are on a next level of pain. Let's hope she'd had them willingly. Faience figurines, that's glazed ceramics to you and me, have been found in Egypt that date from the Middle Kingdom, which is around 2000 BCE up to 1700 BCE. The figurines, traditionally known as Brides of the Dead, frequently display a series of dotted geometric tattoo patterns running in horizontal bands across the lower abdomen. According to Egyptologist Robert Bianchi, dependent upon their context, these figurines can be interpreted as guarantors of the deceased's procreative abilities on analogy with those of the goddess Hathor, That's a fancy way of saying she was fertile. Hathor represented fertility, childbirth and love, and welcomed the dead into the next life. As well as the figurines, a number of tattooed mummies have been uncovered. The most famous of these was discovered by French Egyptologist Eugène Grebo in 1891. Dating from 2134 to 1991 BCE, a priestess named Amunet was found, who shows very similar markings to the figurines. The shapes made out of dots are tattooed on her thigh, shoulder, breast, and on her arm below the elbow. Aminah's abdomen was also covered in dots. Further, two female mummies were excavated from pits lo- located very near to the tomb of Amenet in 1923, who also have abdomen tattoos, which shows that Egyptians were like, hey, fertility is proper important, let's make that tum extra pretty. The patterns would expand, forming a web-like or netting design. It would be proper fun to play dot-to-dot, if nothing else. Could it be an episode of Across the Ages without talking about the Romans and the Greeks? Absolutely not! So here we go. The Ancient Greeks did, didn't really like tattoos, it turns out. Territories around Ancient Greece had them, and that's why the Greeks didn't like the things, viewing those that wore them as uncouth barbarians. In 512 BCE, they had a little look at the Persians, who by that time were using tattoos to mark their slaves. The Greeks were like, mate, that is such a good idea! Aesop, get me something pointy and grab me that fire grate. You're about to get something fancy. What? No, not really, you idiot. It's to stop you running away. Plato also noted in his writing of Greek laws that tattoos were placed on those that broke into temples and stole treasure, making tattoos a part of the criminal classes as well as slave classes. The tattoos were often put on the forehead, which is so fucking harsh. They also used it for punishment for prisoners of war. An example of this was the Athenians tattooing the defeated Samians with an owl, which was Athen's hallowed emblem, only to have the favour return when the Samians defeated the Athenians and tattooed their prisoners with a Samian warship. The Romans, who loved to copy the Greeks, also started marking their slaves. The Roman attitude towards tattoos changed when they encountered an army of fucking cool-ass Britons and noted that many of the soldiers bore tattoos with pride, as badges of honour and strength. The Romans admired the ferocity of these enemies as well as the masculine symbols of their tattoos and soon Roman soldiers began bearing their own tattoos as a form of dick swinging. Now I'm thinking about Maximus Decimus Meridius when he has SPQR tattooed on his arm. Then when he leaves the army and ends up as gladiator, there's this dramatic scene where he scrapes it off. Did they have tattoos though? Well, Roman writer Publius Flavius Vegetius Renatus, I cannot believe that's a real name, says in the late 4th century... The recruit, however, should not receive the military mark as soon as enlisted. He must first be tried, if fit for service. After their examination, the recruit should then receive the military mark. He means tattoos. We don't know what tattoos, though, so maybe SBQR, but maybe something else. Gladiators also had tattoos. Bear in mind that a lot of gladiators were slaves or criminals, so would have already had tattoos, but just in case they didn't, Roman Emperor Caligula declared gladiators were to be tattooed on the hands or calves to mark them out and make sure everybody knew their status. Why not tattoo their faces? Well, gladiator faces were seen as examples of divine beauty, so it was important to keep them as pretty as possible. You know what, I don't actually tend to talk about the people of ancient Britain a lot, but today I will. Some of the tribes in ancient Britain survived from 7000 BCE to around 875 CE. The ancient Britons were not one people. They consisted of loads of tribes, including the Celts, the Gauls, the Goths, the Totons, the Picts and the Scots. Dominus Julius Caesar says in 50 BCE, All Britons paint themselves with woad, which turns the skin a bluish-green colour, hence their appearance is all the more horrific in battle. I know, right, the image of Mel Gibson in that sexy kilt has just popped into your noggin. There's no evidence of woad being used in anything more than body art, though. My dear friend Adele, who I mentioned last episode... Is doing a PhD on a- Iron Age Britain, and she says, and I quote, Caesar and those fuckers said a lot of shit to make the, air quotes, barbarian tribes out to be dangerous others. So we don't really know what is true and what is a load of shit. From 7000 BCE to around 845 CE, the Picts lived in Scotland. They were allegedly covered from head to toe in elaborate tattoos, causing the Romans to refer to them as the Picti, which is Latin for the painted ones. Animals were the main cause of inspiration for the tattoos of the Picts. They decorated their bodies with images of birds, fish and various beasts of the region by pricking their skin with sharp bits of bone dipped in coloured grasses. The vast majority of what we know about the body art of Pict tribes comes from the Romans and as we know, they were keen to make them out sound like savages. And as we learned earlier, they thought that being tattooed was particularly barbarian. wants to smoke some weed and get a shitload of tattoos. I know I do, but you know who else did? The 25-year-old Princess of Ukok, who wins the Across the Ages Award for Best Historical Tattoos. Probably a bit late to give it her, but hopefully we'll get to hang out with this fucking badass in the afterlife. Her name wasn't Ukok. She had been named after where she was found in Siberia in the 1990s, because sadly her name has been lost to time. She was alive around 500 BCE. These are the most well-preserved historical tattoos ever and I literally cannot get over how beautiful they are and how I must get it out of my head that I'm going to get a replica in an attempt to absorb some of her coolness. So, I talk about smoking weed because the princess, who is more likely to be a healer or priestess, was found buried with weed, which must have been important enough for her to take with her to the afterlife. There too was a meal of sheep and horse meat and ornaments made from felt, wood, bronze and gold. Dr Natalia Polosmak who found the remains, says tattoos were used as a means of personal identification. Like a passport now, if you like. The Pazirik also believed the tattoos would be helpful in another knife, making it easy for the people of the same family and culture to find each other after death. I realise I've been fangirling over her so much that I haven't even told you what she has. The tattoos on the left shoulder show a mythological animal. A deer with a griffin's beak and like the fanciest ass antlers you have ever seen. The antlers are decorated with heads of griffins. Another tattoo shows the mouth of a spotted panther with a long tail and it's seen at the legs of some sheep. She also has a deer's head on her wrist with big antlers. What a babe. Her cause of death was unknown until about 2014 when researchers suggested it had been breast cancer. Well now the tone's all sad and so am I. Researchers also discovered that she had injuries sustained in a fall as likely culprits which must have also contributed to her death. Zendrochronologists, The people who count tree rings concluded that she was buried in the springtime, which is something nice, I guess. She was mummified in balm and bandages. Her organs were removed and her body had been stuffed with grass and wool and placed in a wooden coffin. The preservation of her skin and body resulted from the water that had flooded her tomb, helping freeze her into a block of ice and preserving her remains. Her hair was shaved and replaced with a wig that was draped with a tall wooden headdress decorated with cats and swans. She loved cats too. I might be in love. Hold on to your knickers because we've taken a massive leap across time and now we're in the 18th century. I know, I know, what the hell happened in between? My answer is tattoos. That's what happened. In 1771, James Cook was one of the first European explorers to visit some Polynesian islands, specifically Tahiti in New Zealand. When we talk about traditional tattoos, we usually think of Polynesian tattoos which are steeped in both the history and cultural identities of the various nations. The actual tradition of Polynesian tattoos has existed for more than 2,000 years, but the reason I'm talking about it in this section is that it's thought that James Cook's encounter with Polynesia's inhabitants sparked the beginnings of the sailor tattoo culture. In ancient Samoa, tattooing played an important role in both religious rituals and warfare. The tattoo artist had a very high position in society. He usually tattooed groups of up to eight men during a ceremony attended by friends and family members. The Samoan warriors' tattoo began at the weight and extended just below the knee. Not wanting to miss out on the action, though, it wasn't unusual for Samoan women to be tattooed, too. The designs were different, though, and featured delicate flower-like patterns on the hands and lower parts of the body. Polynesian designs are filled with meaning, and each representation can carry many meanings rather than just one. The ocean is obviously going to be incredibly important to ocean-faring people, along with all the creatures in it. In some Polynesian cultures, it's said that on your final journey to the afterlife, turtles will come and guide you to your final destination. Coincidentally, both the ocean and turtles are important designs incorporated in tattoos and can symbolise health, fertility, death, and change, among many others. Other important figures include shark teeth, geckos, tiki semi-god figures, and stingrays. The word tattoo comes from the Tahitan term ta or ta meaning to hit or strike. I love facts like that, they make me so happy! So now we've had a very, very brief introduction to Polynesian tattoos, let's go back to the 18th century. Inspired by the Polynesians and needing to while away the hours on long sea voyages, Royal Navy sailors started to try their hand at amateur tattooing. By the late 18th century, around a third of British and a fifth of American soldiers had at least one tattoo. Spurred by the 19th century whaling expeditions and long trading voyages, tattooing continued to spread among both naval and merchant seamen, and then from them to those on land. Sailor tattoos started to develop their own tradition, and certain tattoos could tell you something about the owner. An anchor indicated that the sailor had crossed the Atlantic, a dagger piercing a heart could tell you that someone has been cheated on, and a swallow showed that the sailor has travelled more than 5,000 nautical miles. It wasn't always camaraderie and sunshine, though. There was a syphilis outbreak in Portsea Barracks in 1888 which affected 12 men, because a tattoo artist with syphilis was spitting in the inks and wiping the tattooed ink. (laughs) And was wiping the tattooed skin with spit and polish. If you've listened to Renegade Women Part 2, you'll have heard about Maud Stevens wagner but she's relevant enough to pop her into this episode too. She was an American circus performer in the early 20th century. You might know her picture as a heavily tattooed woman with a classically Victorian updo. Aside from her tattoo, she had the best fucking eyebrows I have ever seen. She was born in 1877, but of course, at some point, she ran away to join the circus. She was an aerial acrobat as well as a contortionist and tightrope walker, working in several travelling circuses. A turning point in her life happened in 1904 when she met a bloke called Gus Wagner, a tattoo artist who described himself as the most artistically marked up man in America. He used a trademark stick and poke method of tattooing, working exclusively by hand, preferring it over using an electric machine which had been invented in 1891 by Samuel O'Reilly. Maud and Gus hit it off and she agreed to go on a date with him if he taught her how to tattoo. Maud was already a painter, so was able to pick up the skill quickly and became one of the first well-known female tattoo artists in the Western world. After a short time, Maud was soon decorated with badass drawings of monkeys, birds, tigers, horses, snakes, plants and women. She also has her own name tattooed on her arm. The pair travelled with the circus, working as tattooists. At the time, the tattoo biz was almost entirely dominated by men and Maud paved the way, showing women that they too have a place in the world of tattoo. Tattooing is such a huge topic, and I can't seem to find any cultures that didn't have tattoos of one sort or another. Additionally, in Japan, criminals were tattooed with a single line across their forehead for a first offence. For the second offence, an arch was added. And finally, for the third offence, another line was tattooed, which completed the symbol for dog. Wow. Evidence also suggests that the Maya, Inca and Aztec used tattooing in rituals. The Danes, Norse and Saxons are also known to have tattooed family crests onto their bodies. During the Crusades, some Europeans tattooed a cross on their hands or arms to mark their participation and indicate their desire for Christian burials should they not return. We also see tattooing in the Ibaloy culture of the Philippines and the Moque cultures of Peru. So next time you think about telling someone they shouldn't have a tattoo or should cover theirs up for any reason, don't, because you sound like a knob. And that's your lot today, history fans. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Be sure to share with other history nerds if you enjoyed it and to get a shout out in a future episode leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. I've set up a coffee account and I've popped the link in the show notes. Each episode takes about 12 hours to create and I do everything myself so if you enjoy Across the Ages then feel free to support me by buying me a coffee. Five star reviews this week, here we go! West Coast Lassie says Fascinating, funny and funky love this light-hearted yet well-researched podcast. Keep them coming Natalie. Thank you I will. SMHn says so good. I just finished episode 14 and I'm going through withdrawal. Natalie's engaging funny and she's a great researcher. You always come away feeling good and having learned a little bit of something new. Thank you. To get in touch you can follow me on Twitter at underscore across the ages or you can like my page on Facebook at across the ages pod. Keep an eye out for the next episode where I'll be delving into another topic across the ages.